Do people have cell, who has a cell phone with them? Okay. Um, pair up. I'm gonna ask you, yeah, you're gonna pair up. So we're gonna do something a little interactive today. We're gonna use their technology. Um, I'm gonna try to jump ahead just to get people set up now. So I want you to send a message to the following number. Okay, and, and in the message, can you all read that? Can you read that? 2233. Two, two, three, 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 three. And in the message, I want you to send that. SGJJR, the numeral three. All caps. SGJJR and the numeral three. Right, so that's, you'll get something back that says, no, but you're not going to get any spam with this. This is our company, but it allows us to use a tool that our company has um, to make some interactive stuff a little bit fun. So text, te sorry, I can see that you can't see it here. Text a message to 22333, and in the, in the body of the, the message, just type in, in caps, S-G-J-J-R and the numeral three. When you send it, you'll get a response that you're logged into a poll, plus some other stuff that says that it, then we're not gonna send you spam. <laughs> it says what? Invalid keyword? Does it need to be up? Does the, this, it's not working? It worked for you. Make sure it's all caps. So it's working for some people, but not for everybody? Oh. Perfect. So you're, you're good? So it might just be the Canadian link might not be working. Okay, perfect. So it should okay. say you've joined SGJJR3 operations. So we only want feedback from the Americans. <laughs> if... Uh, <laughs> For the Canadians, I guess just it doesn't recognize that I'm sorry. That's good feedback for us. Uh, <laughs> share with or at least provide a combined feedback yeah. when we get to it. Okay. So you just need to do that for right now, and then we'll do something else later. And I apologize to the Canadian folks. <laughs> You can, I was, yeah, okay. So there's a different way to do it? It is interactive, it's just more complicated. <laughs> so. forward slash SGJJR. So for the Canadians that are interested and are a little bit mobile phone savvy and they want to try to participate, um, you can go to your web browser um, and you can type in this poll, P-O-L-L everywhere.com forward slash SGJJR3 and you'll get into the same link. If you don't, or if you're not interested, then you can just watch and laugh. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get started. Um, it's past time. It's 10:40 almost. So uh, let's start with a let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for uh, bringing us together at camp this year. Um, Father, we thank you for the privilege to know you, uh, to know you through your Son Jesus Christ, and we thank you uh, for the privilege of being part of this family that you've brought together. Lord, as we've gathered to, to share about what it means to grow spiritually, um, Father, um, I know both Darren and I are, feel totally, totally inadequate to the task. And so we just pray that, um, that your words would flow, that the conversation would be meaningful, uh, that we would be strengthened, um, and that we would be shaped by this conversation. We pray, Lord, that, uh, 
that it would resonate with us um, and that it would change us moving forward and that it would allow us to speak your gospel as we learn in class today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, just wait a few seconds for people to grab a seat. Yeah, grab that bag, move it out of there. For those of you that, um, that don't know us, I'm Bob Varga. I'm from Beverly Hills, Michigan. I'm Darren DeGuano from Be Beverly Hills as well. Um, so not only are we brothers, we're also friends and coworkers. Um, so we thought it would be a good opportunity to do this together. Uh, and uh, when approached with the, with the, the forum topic and asked to, to, to present this topic, um, the first thought that we had is maybe to think about defining growth first. Um, you know, what is growth? And the first thought that came to my mind as I thought about the idea of growth was I, I found this um, picture, and I didn't put it up. I found this as a replacement. Um, I found a picture of my little girl um, and one of my older girls holding her. Um, and, you know, of course, I, was on a, I got teary-eyed and everything else at the moment just because I was watching. I, was, I just saw the change, and I remembered the young one, I mean the old one being the young one, and now she's holding the young one. Um, and this idea of growth. And so the image on the screen with the, the older sister and the little baby, um, brother or sister, um, is, you know, is, is precious to those of us that, that have experienced that. But the idea of growth over time. Which usually I think for most of us um, equates to getting bigger or increasing, whether that's physically or mentally. Um, and that is typically associated with um, probably three things, right? Um, physically, our environment, uh, what we eat. Um, you want to go to the next slide? Um, generally, nutrition affects how we grow physically, right? The, the food that we eat, whether it's healthy, unhealthy, although those athletes among the group probably can eat a lot different stuff than I can get, eat and won't get big like I would get, um, and they get big in a different way. Yeah, uh, so you, you hear stories. I know um, when we were designing uh, dining halls, they used to have something uh, that they would do separately for athletes and feed them specific healthy food. And they came to realize after um, figuring it out and testing it that it didn't matter what they fed the athletes as long as they filled them with, with calories. And so like Michael Phelps, I think, eats like 10,000 calories a day. And when you look at his, his, meal, I mean, his meal plan, it's hilarious of how many Big Macs and burgers and everything else he eats because it doesn't matter. Right. Um, so on some level, food in general allows us to grow, right? right. Um, stimulus uh, is an interesting one because growth is not just about getting taller, expanding, getting bigger. It's also um, about getting stronger. And so um, the idea of stimulus is also resistance. Uh, something to push against, something to, that resists me, that stimulates my mind, that, that, that shapes. And so like the example um, would be, and you've probably seen pictures of this, of the tree that's on the windbreak or that's on the top of the mountain. It's all deformed and kind of scraggly, but it's, it's embedded um, in, in its root system because of the resistance that it's received. Versus the tree that flips over in the woods and you look at the root structure and it like almost had no root structure because it was really never had any resistance. So growth is the combination of the food plus the resistance. Over and, time. And then time. So then um, what is spiritual growth? Right. And how do you equate the same physical attributes to how we grow spiritually? Um, what kinds of things would you do to grow spiritually? Yeah, so this is a question. If you think of what spiritual growth is, what does it mean to you? Now that we've kind of talked about growth and we changed to spiritual growth, what is it? Okay. Spiritual growth is what you eat. What you eat? Sorry, what was that? Or read. read. 
Read. Read. What you read. Okay. What else? Okay. Spiritual growth is becoming more Christ-like. Getting out of your comfort zone. From a spiritual point of view, right? Good. Applying the word. Good. What else? Any other? So spiritual growth is um, is where you spend your time. Being mentored is a way to be to grow spiritually. A way? Yeah, it's a, a way to grow is to be mentored. Oh. How aware we are of our So an awareness. Yep, an awareness of our flesh, of our impurity, of, of my failure. And an awareness of, that I'm, of what we're lacking. Good, what we're lacking. Any others? So spiritual growth is using the word, spiritual exercise. So explain that. How is that spiritual growth? In our lifestyle, is that sort of passion in our lifestyle for the word? Good. Rejoice to rejoice in tribulation. So, um, you know, we could keep going. I think these are fantastic. We're going to come back to some of these. Um, when Darren and I were talking about this, we came up with a general a statement that um, takes in a lot of what's said here. So how much I rely on God is a function of my spiritual state. So let me rephrase that. How much I rely on God is a function of my spiritual state. To grow would be to rely more on Him. Does that make sense? So my spiritual state is, is evidenced by how much I rely on God. Um, and the, the more I rely, the more I grow. So to rely more on him means to grow. Um, it, it, in our mind was kind of um, a co- coalescing some of these other ideas of like recognizing that I'm a failure. To recognize that I'm a failure means to rely more on him. To all of those things means to rely more on him, less on myself, right? Um, so that, that was in our mind, kind of important as a stepping stone to move forward, to recognize that your spiritual state is dependent on how much you're relying on God. You know that. If you want to get grow, rely more. (laughs) So Romans says that the way to do that, the way to transform ourselves and rely on God more is through... The word, making time for introspection, for prayer, for reading, being in it. Actually, we just talked about in wonderful class just before this forum um, about what it takes to share the word. And in order to share the word, we need to be in the word. We need to read the word. We need to be praying about it and making time to do that. Um, Romans says that that will allow us to transform and make God, make our lives more about God and less about us. So, um, this goes to this idea of exercise. I forget who mentioned it, Frank, maybe it was you, um, or or Roland, it was you, but this idea of of the resistance is that that tribulation that we go through. So, I, I don't know if you recognize the photo, Right, the photo, for those of you that maybe are a little bit older, um, is easily recognizable. It's that iconic image of the Great Depression. Um, and it's usually a little bit bigger, but it's that mom with her sons. And she looks like she's strong, um, but she's obviously going through a hard time. Uh, and then Peter, 
when he's talking to, um, to the, the Christians in, in Asia at the time, talks about in that in First Peter, is, is trying to encourage them um, in, that, in that letter about um, recognizing that tribulations will come. And he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold with, um, that perisheth, will be, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So spiritual growth is recognizing that, that we are going to go through this and it creates growth. It's not something that we look forward to, but this is where part of where we grow. What we probably do look forward to is finding peace, right? Contentment in our relationship with God. Um, interestingly, that in and of itself could lead to spiritual growth, a continuing contentment in our relationship with God. Um, on the other hand, being overly content um, could also equate to laziness. Um, at what point do you become overly content? And is peace sort of turned to in a different direction? So like how many people have ever said, I don't have enough time? You don't have to raise your hands because I know every one of us have said, I don't have enough time. How many of you have thought or said to yourselves, I wish I had more time? Right? All of us have said, I wish I had more time. We're constantly hammered um, with the need for time. Uh, we're, we're trying to balance being a good father, being a good mother, being a good husband, being a good wife, being a good Christian um, with, with all of the others. And, we're, and we don't have enough time. And so we look for time. The big question is that the epiphany for us, and maybe it's just us, <laughs> when you get time, what do you do with it? When you finally have time, what do you do? Waste it. You watch a ball game? <laughs> right? I mean, when you think about what we do with the time that we have, it's interesting um, that in some ways, more often than not, it does get wasted. Maybe, though, you know, the counterpoint, and we'll talk about this, maybe the counterpoint is that we need that wasted time to catch up. So we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, we would propose that maybe we don't, but we'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is, you know, the Corinthians, as I've stated in our church, are a classic case of everything not to do. Um, and so the Apostle Paul is writing to them, and he, he makes these points. He says, our heart, and, um, you know, uh, Nick in our church just had re recently had a, kind of a message on this, um, and it caught my eye. Our heart is enlarged. Our heart is big towards you. We're not tying you down, but he says... Um, you are not straightening us. We're not tying you down, but you are straightened in your own bowels. It's, it's a tricky verse to understand in the KJV because, you know, the bowels, what's the bowels? It's our innards. But what, so what he's saying is you are constrained by your own emotions slash desires. So our heart towards you is big. Your heart toward us is not. You are constrained. You're tied down by your desires by your emotions, by what you want inside. And then he challenges them, um, let go. Let go of your desires and let your heart be made bigger. Let your heart be enlarged. So it's not anything new. Some of the things that we're going through is not new. Um, we're going to read an example. Um, this is an example that's being read right now or will be being read to the teens. Um, and it's a letter from somebody that, that went away to school. And this will be a warning to all parents. As soon as I read this letter, the first thought, and my daughters aren't in here, the first thought is my daughters are never going away to school um, <laughs> once you read this. Um, and uh, the question that I want you to listen for as we're reading this letter uh, is, or I want you to think about the question and think about an answer. Where does spiritual growth happen? in this letter, okay? Because um, what we went through is a journey of kind of recognizing some things as we were going through this. So um, this is, okay, I'm gonna, just gonna start. I had already been a converted Christian for several years when I went to live at school. I survived high school by avoiding the social scene and making youth group my sole friend base. Sounds like a lot of our kids and a lot of us. Most people knew I was a Christian and while I wasn't particularly outgoing, I had many opportunities to share why I was different. 
I felt that in spite of the social pressures, I managed to come out on top and gave God praise for getting me through it. Remember, where does growth happen? Because of this, I wasn't too concerned about living away at college. Thankfully, the school was just over an hour away and I had a car, so I went home every single weekend. I knew it would be important to continue involvement in church, plug back into my family, and avoid the weekend parties and pressures to get involved in them. It seemed like the perfect scenario, but the truth was I had no idea I was headed into an intense spiritual battle that I would barely escape from. I lived on a co-ed floor and had a social, non-practicing Muslim as a roommate. Most of our floor was freshmen, but we also had some senior guys on our floor. And I quickly realized uh, drunkenness and sexual talk and curiosity wasn't restricted to weekends. And not being able to escape it entirely, combined with a bit of curiosity, put me in the middle of this environment. One regular weeknight, my roommate decided she felt like getting drunk. It took only a few minutes to find a handful of people on the floor who were interested in joining in. And while I could have left my room, I felt a need to protect my space. And since I'd always heard stories about how fun it was to get wasted, I wanted to see um, what it was that made getting drunk so fun. In a short time, as I listened to shallow stories of previous drinking parties, um, watched my new friends act stupid, and later held my roommate's hair while she threw up everything she just drank, I knew that there was nothing appealing about this. In fact, it was disgusting. Coming back to school on Sunday nights, seeing the garbage can overflowing with beer cans, toilet plugged, toilets plugged, and vomit on the shower floor made me so thankful I went home on weekends. The stories I heard about what happened made me even more grateful I missed it all. It quickly became apparent to my floor mates that there was something different about me. And while I was eager to share my faith, I wasn't prepared for their fascination in my beliefs. In some ways, it seemed they admired and were attracted to my point of view. But at the same time, they were determined to see me fail. One of the senior guys in particular made it his personal mission to torment me. Anytime he would see me in the hall, he would make a crude comment or barrage me with questions about my life or beliefs. And at times, the attacks were physical, which ranged from tickling to pinning me down on the floor while he verbally attacked me. As an adult, now I see, as an adult, I see that I was a victim of sexual harassment, but at the time I thought that unless he attempted to rape me, I just had to deal with it. Everyone on the, so it was about like that, you know, that point where I'm like, no way are my daughters ever going to <laughs> college. <laughs> um, even before that, but this was kind of, you know, um, uh, everyone on the floor knew he was badgering me, but I guess they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Even though, I was close to my even, even though I was close to my family, I didn't really share this, especially not with my parents, because I feared they would pull me out of school. And by that time, I was really struggling with my biggest problem, myself. Ryan was an engineering student down the hall, also a freshman, who was quiet, but one of those people who just gets along with everybody, and, be and we became friends right away. He helped me with calculus and had a similar schedule, so we would eat at the same time. He had a girlfriend about an hour away, so there was no issue. Um, he was also genuinely interested in my faith, and we had lots of great discussions about some very deep subjects. It didn't take very long for my feelings for him to grow. It's much more than friendship. And soon, as I, I was in, and soon I was entertaining a lie Satan feeds so many of us. I can bring him to Christ, and then we'll get married. What's worse is that he started having feelings for me, too. And everyone could sense the chemistry between us and teased us relentlessly. So that he could see what my life was all about, I invited him to one of our ski weekends that our youth group would go to. It was awkward seeing him at my parents' table while we stopped to eat on our way up north, um, and just awkward in general about having him with the rest of our youth group. But I thought things were going okay. Until the morning, we were about to leave, and one of the older sisters in youth group pulled me aside privately, and in a nutshell, she said, I see what's going on between, he, between you and Ryan, and it's not good. You're in danger. That was really embarrassing to hear, and it did help me to take a step back and reflect. But I was headed back to school into this fierce battle, and Satan was not easing up. My feelings for Ryan continued to get stronger until one night as I lay in bed, a thought came to me. You can bring him to Christ after you sleep together. Yes, you will lose your church membership, but God is a forgiving God. Your roommate's not here, so just do it. And that night, Jesus fought Satan for my soul. Like Jacob, fighting with the angel of the Lord, I battled that night. Not exactly sure what side I was on, but I thank God, my Heavenly Father, that he won the battle. Like Lot pulled from the fires of sinful Sodom and Gomorrah, my soul and body were rescued and preserved for my wedding day years later with the godly husband the Lord handpicked for me. Um, in many ways, after that night, the Lord gave me a new perspective, and I clung to him for the rest of my life. I had a transfer after two years because the school didn't have the right major. I made a decision to go to a commuter school and live at home. Um, it was difficult adjusting to answering mom and dad again, but there were many blessings. I'm not going to keep reading. Um, you can kind of get a sense for the rest of the story. So the question 
with this story is where did spiritual growth happen here? True story. But where did spiritual growth happen? Which ones? Be specific. Okay, so we see spiritual growth happening at the end um, after she had gone through that last, um, that last night. Okay? Any others? So it was ha you, you see that you thought it was happening beforehand too. Okay? Definitely more vulnerable. Not seeing it, but so spiritual growth happened um, when she heard the words of the sister. Maybe she didn't take them to heart, but that was a growing point. Good. Other other thoughts about where spiritual growth happened in this story. I'm sorry? Watching her roommates get drunk. Yeah, I'm sure. So we had this interesting, um, any other observations real quick, Tony? observation was when we did the first part of what we show, shared with you was that there's kind of a sequence to spiritual growth. We read this letter um, and our epiphany for Darren and me was that right, spiritual growth happened throughout this process. That looking back there's growth. During the process there was growth. Um, so yeah, as a parent I want to intentionally shared that thought because that was my knee-jerk reaction. There's no way my daughter's for, for if you have daughters and you, read, you heard this letter, what was your first reaction? <laughs> no way <laughs> my daughter's going away to school, right? Um, but it's a fair question. It's a fair question, right? That knee-jerk reaction is insulating. You know, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not telling you to, keep, um, to not keep uh, a company with sinners of this world. I'm telling you to not keep company with believers that call themselves um, that, that, that people that call themselves Christians but are fornicators in, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 or 4. Ronnie, you had your hand up. So, so we were kind of at a quandary right. because we're basically saying, well, our forum is live um, because any route leads to spiritual growth. Let's yeah. just, and if, if we can just take any route to spiritual growth, then let's just take the route that feels right at the moment, that seems to be the right move, and let the Lord lead, right? And now if, if I take that thought, where does that lead? 
because this is where our mind was going immediately, Romans 6. What shall I say then? Shall I sin that grace may abound? So yeah, let's keep going down life. Let's keep living. It sounds like a Dora song. (laughs) Um, For those of you that watch Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. (laughs) Um, Just keep living and let sin happen. I learn from sin and I grow. But that didn't seem to make sense because God's, I mean, Apostle Paul says in Romans 6, God forbid. Right. But it is, I mean, next, um, it is a great segue into do we grow from that sin? And I think that's a great point. The question is, what's the cost of that growth? Um, What do we look back on and regret? Um, Personally, I have probably some, well, I think it's unique sometimes, but I have a lot of regrets. I shared some of them last night. Um, looking back, they helped me grow to where I am today. But I wish every day that I could have grown in a different way. Um, so yes, I think regret is a great way to grow. Well, not a great way, to, a way to grow, but not a great way to grow. Yeah, so and I just want to kind of maybe beat that point down a little bit. Um, there, we can grow in a lot of different ways. But the consequences to my choices um, can impact more than just me. And I can have regrets um, to the way that I grow when I look back. Like I wonder if, if the person who wrote the letter, looking back, regrets the way that she grew. Right. Um, another thought that kind of bounced out, jumped out to us. Um, is it working? There we go. Um, some of this might be familiar from two years ago, the, the camp theme and the idea of the sower and the seed. But when we looked at the sower and the seed, um, it's a simple um, you know, example, but the seed was, fell on four different areas. And it's interesting that on three of the areas that seed grew, uh, it grew in the stony places, it grew in the thorns, and it grew on the good ground. But what happened to the stone, I mean, what happened to the seeds in the stony ground? But it, right, so it, it grew and it died. Um, the thorns, it grew, but then it was choked by weeds, um, by the thorns. So um, this idea of, of where we make our choices to, to inhabit place, you know, sorry, that's probably the most complicated way I could have said that. Um, um, the choice that I make about where I'm going to be and the choices that I'm going to make about what I'm going to do will impact my ability to be persistent. And the ability to grow is tied to my ability to persist, to hang in there, uh, to establish the deep roots. And so depending on my choices, they impact my ability to persist. Um, I might not be able to persist in certain locations. I might make it. This is Ua Point. I forget down the, it's one of the trails at, uh, um, at the Grand Canyon. Um, I could walk along the edge on that stony edge, and it could be really cool. I could fall. I could make it and grow and realize maybe next time I'm not going to walk along the edge. Um, I might have a broken leg or a broken back or and be in a wheelchair from that point on. But I could learn. Um, Colleen Burns, anybody know who Colleen Burns is? Okay, I didn't expect you to. She was 35. One. She's a, <laughs> what's that? One, One person knows? Okay. Uh, uh, she was hiking on Ula Point about a week and a half ago now, two weeks ago. Um, she was an executive at Yelp. She had built their um, Orlando zone, their Florida kind of zone from scratch. Um, and was a reasonably high up executive. She fell about 400 feet from this point. She had worked for Yelp in a variety of positions since 2009. Um, Yelp said in a statement that Burns launched the community in Orlando seven years ago, her passing represents a tremendous loss for our company, yada, yada, yada. Um, A friend said she basically stepped out of the way to give somebody else a view. She tripped over her own feet and fell 400 feet. 
you know, sometimes when we're walking along the edge, we don't make it. I'm sure, that edge can be exciting. So, uh, continuing to speak about 1 Corinthians, this is the first thought that came to us about growth. Uh, when Paul is talking about the Corinthians and he's telling them about, I still have to feed you milk, even though at this point you should be eating meat. Um, and the thought that we want to throw out there um, as part of this is that, uh, that knowing the word, and this is what we were just hammering in class just a little bit about, uh, a little while ago, just knowing the word, just, um, just, just having it in you isn't sufficient. Being a baseline believer is, is not sufficient to keep out of trouble. The Corinthians were believers. They were Christians. And they were an example of everything that we shouldn't do because it seemed like they didn't go beyond the baseline. And that's what Paul was hammering them about, about moving beyond the baseline. Now, did they grow? Well, we can tell by 2 Corinthians that they did grow. If you look at chapter 7 in 2 Corinthians, and like it's like verse 11 through 13 or something, um, you see that at least some of them grew. They repented. That's the verses about godly sorrow. And the Apostle Paul says that he saw godly sorrow in them. And he saw regret and remorse and a hatred for what they had become. But the question is, you know, what did it take and what kind of regret was there? And so the encouragement kind of for us is to, to recognize that there can be regret and there are consequences to people around us by the choices we make in how we grow. But wouldn't it be better to live knowing that you didn't have that regret. You didn't have to live with that regret. Um, that day to day you're reaching out to the people around you, um, whether it's at church or at work or at school, and living in the peace of Christ, um, growing internally as well as helping others grow. So, um, Building on what Bob was talking about with uh, Corinthians, um, Paul was giving a clear indication here that we need to move beyond that foundation, beyond, beyond the theology and knowledge. Um, he knew that there was a better place for Christians in Christ's church. Um, that peace was possible. Yeah. The question is, how do you achieve it and still as we talked about before, not become complacent in that peace. So in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul is talking about, he says um, that, and we think it's Apostle Paul, <coughs> that we need to go beyond um, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. We're not supposed to re keep focusing on the foundation of repentance from dead works. We're not supposed to keep focusing on this. And, and basically, I, the way I read it, is that there's people who just, this is all they kept talking about and all they kept focusing on, and that's what maybe they kept debating and discussing, is um, the foundation of repentance, the doctrine of baptism, the doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of resurrection from the dead. Um, yeah, this is, he's like, this is all great. But then if you look later, um, verses 9 and 10, you know, he throws out this, what he sees in them. And he says, Beloved, we're persuaded of better things. We see your work and your labor of love. And so, in the same way, we need to move beyond a baseline knowledge, a baseline understanding, and being insulated in our church to something that's bigger. So we need to move to this. Um, messiness. I was looking for a picture of my daughters, but they're too clean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry, that's, that. that's not sarcasm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours. Um, we're just too busy wiping our hours down to take photos of like this, right? Um, but we had this talk in our church recently. Um, when, if I was to say um, that, that there's messiness in life, what would that mean to you? When I say that term, messiness in life, what does that mean to you? Disorder? Okay. Things don't go as planned. Losing face? Okay, good. I'm sorry? Confusion? Issues? Do we, I was thinking also um, friction? Um, someone's trying to get in, eh? 
um, issues, turmoil, maybe some family spats, sickness, and do we avoid it? Yes. Is that fair? We try. We're going back to what we just talked about, insulate ourselves from it if we can. Why? But do we try? Okay. It's uncomfortable. Messiness is uncomfortable. So I'm speaking for Darren and myself, but we would propose that growth happens in the messiness. Actually, let me rephrase that. Growth can happen in the messiness. And that's what, when we had a conversation in our church about, we did a study on a topic on the messiness um, in life. And we came to the, just real quick, um, our tagline is living in the purple. That's because when we were talking about all the, why we avoid it, we wrote it in green. And when we talked about why we shouldn't avoid it, we wrote it in the purple on the marker board. And uh, so from, from now on, the, the secret phrase for all of us is when I ask you how you're doing, right, we can say living in the purple. <laughs> okay? And we all know what that means. <laughs> right, right away, we're going to know what that means. That's our little code word. Um, we're living in the purple. Um, but growth can happen when we're living in the purple. Opportunity for self-reflection. So we're going to do an interactive activity. Um, it's going to be kind of fun. This is where your cell phones come out. Uh, for those of you that, that came in a little late, you can, um, you can if you're from the United States, you can text um, a message to that number up on top, 22333. And you can um, then send the message and type in SGJJR3. You can also, if you're from Canada, go to your web browser. You can go to polleverywhere.com and then do forward slash SGJJRR3. Okay? Um, for some reason, the texting function on the Canadian phones isn't working with the system. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a question. And we want you to respond on your phones. Totally private. We don't know who's saying what. The one thing we would ask is that respond from your heart. Oh, yes. um, there's, it's probably intuitive which way people would think they should respond. But if you've been in one of these situations, think about how you may have responded then and respond from your heart. Let's just see where we think we're at. So any questions on this? Everybody got it? You text... Two, 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 three, 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 and you type in the message SGJJR3. You'll get a response um, saying you're in the survey, um, so you'll know you're in. Um, and if you're getting a, a comment that says failed, then you need to go to your web browser and go to polleverywhere.com slash forward slash SGJJR3. So, oh, so uh, oh back yeah. up one. Yeah. Wait, back up. We're gonna, I think we might have to, yeah, there it goes. All right, there it goes. Somebody so some people here. already responded. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Keep going. So you're ready to leave for vacation. Um, and you get a call from a friend or a coworker who's found his alcoholic sister passed out drunk. And he's asking for help. What are you going to do? You've got three choices. Um, this is a quasi-true story for somebody. Um, I do some quick searches for rehab places. Send them the numbers. Tell them I'll follow up with them in a little bit when we get there. I call somebody from church, ask them to help, or I take a deep breath knowing that my wife is not going to be happy with me or my husband's not going to be happy with me and my kids are going to be ranting and raving, um, but I postpone the vacation or just try to help anyway. 
Oh, it's pretty good. What would be going through your mind as you get the phone call and you're trying to figure out what to do? I don't have time for this. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> I need a vacation and get out of here. Yeah, so right. immediate, especially if, I'm a, if I have a flight or something set up, how long is this going to take? Ask God what to do. Absolutely. The time's clock's running. <laughs> God's always there. What do you do? For real. I'm not asking you to raise hands. <laughs> Somebody in the mall. Somebody in the mall. This is probably a more challenging one, right? What's that? If you see me and I look like I'm just not doing well, hmm. <laughs> you can kind of tell I'm having a rough day. You don't know what kind of rough day I'm having. <laughs> so has anybody had this situation? How'd it go? Anybody else have this something like this happen? Where's the hand? Oh, go ahead. Any other? Oh, go ahead. No, go, please, Bob. I, I have, and I deeply regret it, and thought I would do the best, next best thing because I would have stayed with the man and talked to him about salvation, which was the end goal of talking about his children. Uh, I, I, I would have interrupted some salesman who wanted to tell him something. Anyway. So I went over and talked to his son and said, man, his dad is really sick. How long does he have? Well, Doc says not more than two years. And I lived down the road a mile. Now I can certainly make some trip back. I got caught up in a trip somewhere else, somewhere else, went to the airport to make that a journey. And uh, I asked how Joe was his name. You don't know? I said, Joe no fun. Yesterday. And I'll tell you, I came so close to passing out in the airport by the pain in my gut. And I honestly fight now with the idea of being responsible for the soul. And that was 10 years ago. Yeah. The question is, why do we avoid? Like, you know what I do? I pray for the person. I walk by, and I pray. For, I, mean, I see somebody's having a rough day, and I'm like, Lord, help that person to feel better. Boy, it makes me feel better. <laughs> I sure feel good. I'm just, yeah, I, had, I had care. What did I just do? I avoided the messiness, didn't I? Right? I avoided the messiness. I, why? Because 
I'm usually got 15 things to do, I'm running late, and whatever, right? You name it. I have a bunch of excuses. And so I can really relate to that, that point. Excellent. So to have that compassion. So hold your thoughts. Let's jump to the next one. I've had an incredibly difficult week. I was out of town actually for, for five days. Haven't seen my family. Um, I get back. And I get a call that a church member is in the hospital and like to come visit what needs a visit. So now this one is very relevant to ministers because we're usually the one, well, maybe not we, me. Um, I'm the one that, that feels like this big because I forget that someone's in the hospital. And I get the call that I need to go, that from somebody else saying, hey, you should go visit. Um, but this is, this is a page out of my own life. I'll just be fully transparent, right? This is a page out of my life. <laughs> and the person, the person loves to see the family, too. Yeah. Now, you know what you have to be careful of? You know what you have to be careful of? And again, this is full transparency. You know what has gone through my mind when I say I'm bringing my family? Anybody want to guess? <laughs> Who said it? Who said it? Right. You can get out of there faster. <laughs> when the kids because you got things to do. you got a lot of things to do, right? I mean, in a way, how is that any different than the others then? Um, yeah, well... <laughs> Who called? I'm not telling. <laughs> Well, that's, that, that's where number one comes in, or A. That's the first thought. Then when I get a, well, why aren't you visiting them, right? Why are you calling me to visit them? Uh, but you can spend a, we could spend the entire forum talking about that one question. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Boy, it gets messy when there's friction. <laughs> there's humiliation. There's repentance. There's digging up old dirt. Um, there's, you know, the, the frustration um, that I'm not wrong in what I did. They're just taking it wrong. There's so many different layers to friction. Um, there's, so there's strife between me and someone else in church. It's been going on for the last 15 years. Um, thankfully, this one isn't the case with me right now. Um, I think I fixed that yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's not that bad. We're, we just we, we don't hate each other. We just don't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good, right? Sometimes we need to um, we need to wait a period. 
15 years okay? <laughs> I, I, there definitely needs to be a cooling off time. And what we've found, I'm going to throw this out there for everybody in our church, is that there are times when um, that, that friction has gotten so severe that you don't necessarily want two people to just come together right off the cuff. That it's, it's not effective. Right? And sometimes um, you need to have an unbiased intermediary there to help things out right from the get-go. Um, that's okay. Um, but we need to work on solving this. This is Matthew 18 in action. Um, we need to work on solving it. Yet too often, too often we, we go with A. Um, and there's a lot of different, as you bring up on the mark, a lot of different options here. These are just the ones that came, kind of came to us off the cuff. <laughs> so finally. <laughs> so here's the beach one. We couldn't leave without the beach one. <laughs> I could pack up my family and go to the beach, right? This, why am I doing this? Totally A. <laughs> so the tricky, the tricky thing with these, um, the ones that we're doing, and we're doing this just to make it more fun, is that you can be swayed by other people's comments. <laughs> so, so somebody had a hand up. Needs help. Yes. Yes. So just, we want to finish up. That's a very good point. Um, we can always do something. There's times where we need rest. Go to the beach. Um, the one kid that came to us is um, the feeding of the 5,000. Do you remember what happened just before the feeding of the 5,000? So, so, so the disciples came back from their journey where they went two by two. They just got back to Jesus and were excited to share with him what had happened in their, their, their journey. There were so many people that Jesus said, let's get in the boat, let's go across the lake, um, and let's go to the other side, and let's rest. And you can tell me, basically. I'm paraphrasing here. They get to the other side. There's 5,000 people, right? Plus and plus. Jesus, who's moved with compassion, decides to feed them. Uh, the disciples pull up their pants and get to work. What happens after the feeding of the 5,000? I'm totally, right, there's a lot more to this, but what happens? Jesus sends them back across the lake. Mm. <laughs> he goes, I'm going up to the, I'm going to go up to rest, to pray. I want you to go back across the lake. And what happens on the lake? The storm. So growth happened all along the way. Where did real growth happen? By stretching themselves, right? By being taken and pushed further by Jesus than they, than they really wanted to be. They were ready to send everybody away after he preached. Get, let them find their own food. But when they were stretched, 
and they allowed themselves to be stretched beyond kind of what they were comfortable with is when the real growth happened. Um, so just to keep that as an encouragement. Right, and um, Psalms tells us that, that that growth is not going to just be for our benefit. That's going to be for the benefit of those around you. So all the spiritual growth that, that you gain from, putting your, from stretching, from letting the Lord stretch you, will have an impact on those that are also in the messiness with you. So, one thing to realize is, is that becoming a Christian is like the opposite of physical growth. Because to grow is to shrink in our case. Right? John said, um, to, he must increase, but I must decrease. Right. Um, and Galatians tells us that we, in the same way, we, we which now live in flesh live in faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Just as Christ gave himself, we need to give ourselves. Um, gives us the ability to have peace in spite of our circumstances. The Apostle Paul says, I, I've, I've been abased and I've abounded. I've been low, I've been high. I've learned to be content. And it gives, I've been content in both points of view. That's spiritual growth, growing, and the results of it really give me the ability to, to look beyond the, the point at which I'm in, um, to recognize the bigger picture. Right? It allows me to, to get into the messiness and not be so personally affected by the messiness that I'm engaged in, because I, I see the bigger picture. Um, and in the same way, it allows me to look forward, uh, to, to look forward to heaven and not be so bound into where I'm at today. Sorry, so, we ran, I think we ran over. Then. So we got four minutes for questions and answers and comments. So we don't have any answers, but <laughs> we appreciate comments. If anybody has any in the four minutes that we got. I know there were some hands up that we didn't, um, that we didn't take. So if the, you want to throw those thoughts out there, please do. Being able to, to, to have a close community of believers where I can say, I need help. There's somebody that needs help. I see the need. I cannot do it right now. Can you help me? And, and as a community, work together. You know, I had an experience where I um, went to visit a lady from church, and I had literally gotten home not that long ago, whatever, and I, one of my daughters decided to go with me. Um, and I asked if they would be willing to go. She wanted to come. We went together. Um, the lady was a sister died just as we got there. Um, but the, the opportunity to talk with my daughter, to share that time together was so special. So finding those moments, they can work in tandem. Our family time does not have to be independent of the time that we, that we minister. 
Right? They, they can work together. That's why that, was, that one was an important aha for me. Good point. I think we're out of time. And one up one, there. One more, real quick. Good point. Thank you, everybody.